Hello and welcome back. I'm Dr. Nicola and this is Aspen Talks Health. Today I'm joined by Kathleen and Mary Mike Haley. Kathleen is the founder and program director at Aspire Recovery for Women and Mary Mike is the clinical director there. Welcome ladies to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Pleasure. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about addictions and, and recovery tools for some recovery. Um, so let's just start with what are you doing at Aspire Recovery for Women? Well, we have um, a 90-day residential extended care program, which means that it's post-primary. We take women 25 years and older who have had primary treatment, and we invite them into our home for 90 days to get to the underlying issues of why they drink and drug. So we opened up our home in Carbondale, and yeah, they do um, a day treatment three days a week, which is what Mary Mike's in charge of, our outpatient program which is also open to any woman in the Roaring Fork Valley who needs any kind of um, addiction or substance use disorder uh, treatment, therapy. So that's kind of what we're doing. That's Wonderful. what we've been doing. Yeah. That's so sweet you opened up your home. How kind. Yeah. <laughs> what's well, the big deal? No, and it is. It's a, I mean, Kathleen's done a really good job of making it a safe, comfortable environment. Nice. Um, and that's one of the you know main feedbacks that we get is that um, women feel safe and comfortable and... Um, a place where they can heal. So, and you need almost that twenty-four hour care and, mm -hmm. and attention, mm -hmm. right? To to be able to recover and get past these challenges. Yeah, it's helpful, you know, because you you're not you're in an environment that feels like a home, but you're not necessarily dealing with the stresses of I'm home alone or I'm home with my family or you know, and I'm dealing with the day-to-day -day stresses that might be coming my way. Um, so you get some coping mechanisms that help you transfer home eventually. That's beautiful. Transition. Yeah. That's so nice. How is it, you, you're, you provide gender specific, so it's specifically for women. Mm -hmm. How is it, how is the treatment different? Well, one of the main differences is that women tend to internalize their feelings um, more profoundly maybe, you know, than men do. Um, differently than men do. We tend to take the um, weight of the world, right? Um, if we, if somebody asks me, you know, one of the number one questions that women face when they come into treatment, um, what are you going to do about your family, your kids, if you're going to go away for treatment, even if it's 30 days, let alone 90 days? Where when we ask a man what he's going to do, how he's going to go to treatment, you know, did you tell your boss? Are you going to be able to leave your job? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily, you know, that day-to-day -day stuff of, you know, what about your kids? What about your family? What about your job, right? They get the job question on top of what's your family going to do without you? Um, and mm -hmm. so when they come into treatment, they're also carrying the burden of what did I do to my family? And, and not that men don't carry that, but women really internalize that with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt around how their addiction has impacted their family. And... Um, what they've done wrong as a mother, a daughter, a sister, a coworker. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. it, um, how do women process that drama differently? Well, um, the ways that they tend to, to process it is they internalize it, right? So they start to attack themselves. Yeah. Um, where sometimes I think that, you know, men are able to kind of express themselves in an outward manner. We've been... Um, We've, we've been socialized as women to kind of keep things in, right, or to 
put the burden on ourselves that, you know, this is my fault and everything that's going on in my world, if my world's falling apart, um, I've brought this on and the shame is all on me. And so if I'm, if my addiction is at the forefront of my life and I haven't been being a great mom, a great provider, a great caregiver, then that whole burden is on me and it's my fault. And so if I say something about that or I ask for help around that, right, I might lose my kids, I might lose my marriage, I might lose my job. So on top of, you know, the career issues, they also have the issues of what's my role as a woman in society with my family, my friends, what have you, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me when you want to contribute. I, I'm going to... Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So what are some common drivers to addiction? Um, well, you know, it, it really depends. And it, it depends on um, the woman that we have, you know, in our care at the time. It could be that um, she's facing some life-changing situations. Um, divorce. Kids have left the house. My career is at an end and I'm retiring. Um it could be hormonal. Um, we, we tend to have, um, I think as Kathleen said at the beginning, the women that we have in the house um, or in our program are 25 and older. And so we've had this older population kind of gravitating towards us, which has been um, not necessarily what we thought in the beginning, but, mm-hmm. it, but it's been really interesting, is that we've got these women that are coming to the house that are 40, 50 years old, 60 years old, and so maybe they're facing menopause, right? They've gone through a divorce. Maybe their husband's passed away. Um, Their children have left. Uh, And so you come to a crossroads of what am I doing with my life, right? What's my purpose? Yeah, what's my purpose? What's my identity? It's Mm -hmm. almost like an identity crisis, so Mm -hmm. to speak, Mm -hmm. where they're not sure who they are or what direction their life should go. They've lost passion or purpose for their their life Mm -hmm. and then they start drinking or drugging and the progression of the disease escalates so rapidly and it just ravages them before they Mm -hmm. know it and Mm -hmm. they're so really the average woman the average age of the woman that comes into our residential 90-day program is 40 we're not getting that 18 to 20 somethings we're actually getting the more mature woman who has had some life experience has experienced career family um intense relationships you know maybe run companies and and all of a sudden they're retired or they don't have you know they don't have anything to do necessarily and they start to drink and it and they fly off the rails well it's probably i mean it it obviously is a numbing of the inner dialogue Mm -hmm. the inner critic oh yes what's Mm -hmm. my identity what am i Mm -hmm. without all this and I wonder if it's also society now has shifted so much to where the woman is also responsible for finances and raising the family. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pressure from different angles now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've got that second shift, right? So I'm going to go and I'm going to do my career all day, and then I'm going to come home and I'm going to take care of everything. And so they've got a lot on their plate. And so if you take that away, it's gone. Yeah. What do I do with myself? Right? And, and so... Um, you know, as, as Kathleen was saying, it's rapid. So they may have actually been maintaining, right? Just kind of drinking um, recreationally or, you know, casually at, at different outings. And then they start to 
slip into a place where, you know, I don't necessarily know who I am or what my purpose is. And with that can come things that, you know, maybe they've been struggling with a little bit, maybe some depression, some anxiety, and the alcohol or the drugs kind of help tamp that down. It's, you know, it can be a good coping mechanism until it's not. Right. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, That's a good point you make. It starts small. It starts with uh, you put the kids away to bed and you just need a glass of wine to unwind. Absolutely. I have mm-hmm. plenty of girlfriends that are right? just like, I just need a glass of wine. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. and th- but that must, that's a slippery slope, huh? Well, yeah, it can be, right? Because if I'm, if I'm not happy and I kind of get this perfect storm going in my life and that's my go-to and it keeps becoming my go-to and it's doing the job that I need it to do, you know, sometimes it can get out of hand. And, right. and with that can come isolation. And then if you're isolated, you don't have anybody to talk to, you know, you don't, you don't know where up is anymore because these things have kind of, you know, dissipated in your life. It can be really, really difficult and, they, and you don't know where to go with it. I have found from personal use, I, I used to smoke marijuana a lot and mm-hmm. that certainly is isolating. You don't want to go out mm-hmm. and do things. You just want to sit on the couch and kind of just be a little numb and right, know, and right. you know, and listen to music and just mm-hmm. yeah. But it, it very much was isolating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and alcohol and drugs do that to us, especially when we start to abuse them. Um, they, you start to withdraw from your social circle, right? Maybe you don't talk to your family as much. Um, you start to lose self worth, self esteem purpose and you start to kind of you know disappear into yourself and if you don't have the obligations maybe that you had at one point in your life or maybe you do but you start to you know disappear yeah it it can be really difficult and with that your self-esteem your self-worth disappears and so a lot of the women that we see they just need some help figuring out their self-worth again right Mm -hmm. because they do have life skills they have the ability to to, to get back on track. Sometimes they just need a little bit of, of direction and support in, hey, you know, you, you are a rock star. You do have the ability to, to um, function in life and you have a skill set and we just need to kind of get back to finding that. Yeah, I and, think that's a huge point, finding your purpose. Mm-hmm. When it was this show that stopped me from drinking and smoking weed. It was because I wanted to show up with full brain capacity because Uh I knew I was serving such a purpose with this. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing so much wisdom with each of my guests that I'm helping so many people out there. I needed to be my best. Nice. And and I'm not answering business calls if I'm high. Right. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. my live Facebook posts if I've just smoked weed. Mm -hmm. You know, that cuts Mm -hmm. off a whole day of work. Right. And, And so I think purpose is a huge one mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's and so those are the, you know some of the things that we're doing in our program is is trying to help them figure out where did you get lost and what do we need to do to help you get your foundation back and figure out what your purpose is what you need to be doing that's so valuable what is the, ex- the difference between primary and extended care can you explain that yeah well primary care is usually a 30-day program and it's, it's for detoxification and stabilization and some education. It's a really important component of the continuum of care. It really is. We take women that are, have, have had primary treatment. It doesn't have to be from their primary treatment center door-to-door to us. We do really well with chronic relapsers, women who just can't seem to stay sober, stay stopped. Um, and so... Um, our extended care is really so that once they've been detoxed and stabilized and had some education, then they're ready to really dive into 
the work, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that would be dealing with their trauma, processing their trauma, working the steps. We, we support the 12-step um, model for recovery and all of our clients are required to work the steps and go to a meeting every day and um, get a sponsor and do that. So in the extended care, it's basically that we are doing the treatment and the processing to get to the reasons of why we pick up, which is usually unprocessed trauma. Nice. Mm -hmm. well, and how do you process the trauma? What are some techniques? <laughs> Million dollar question. Right? How do you process trauma? Yeah, what are some tools? Well, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of different um, tools that we draw from and you know, number one is insight, right? So 99% of the women that come to our program have had some kind of trauma, right? And and it's it's kind of become a word that you're hearing more and more, right? So and a lot of times people think of um, a veteran of war when they think about trauma. And um, unfortunately, you know, there's people out there in our world that are experiencing a lot of trauma and they haven't even, you know, had to go and put themselves out there, you know, and, and um, uh, serve for our country. They're living right here in our country and we would like to think that we're all safe, but we're not, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and women, unfortunately, are the victims of that a lot and the trauma that they're experiencing, sometimes it's, it's at the hands of somebody that they love very much. Sometimes the trauma is a result of um, experiences they've had because of their addiction. Um, you know, it can be something like a car accident, right? There's a wide range of types of trauma, right? Some, some people say big T and little t, right? Is it a big T trauma or a little t trauma? Um, which you'll hear, you know, um, in the industry and we see a, a wide range of that. Um, and so the different things that we use, um, we did use some different modalities. Um, acceptance commitment therapy, which is um, ACT is the acronym for that, um, is something that we use a lot of, which is based in mindfulness. And it takes me through a technique, the technique. So it's basically understanding that we, if we're more present within ourselves and we have some psychological flexibility within ourselves, we have the ability to um, take care of and understand what's going on in our own body, understanding our own emotions, so that it's it, we have the ability to say, I'm having an emotion or I'm having a thought process, I'm identifying that, and, I'm, and I have the ability to get through that and to let it pass over me without having to be reactive to it, right? So if I, if I have, if I'm in crisis, I'm having a difficult time, I'm having a difficult day, somebody hurts my feelings, somebody upsets me, I, gen, I tend to jump to alcohol or drugs to take care of myself as an addict, right? To calm that down, to calm down my nervous system. Right. With ACT, the idea is, what if I didn't have to react to that that way? What if I actually had the ability to sit in my own body and understand that I'm okay. I'm okay right here in my own body. My feelings are valid. My thought process is normal. Even if my thought process might be, you know, a little far-fetched, right? It's just a thought process, and I don't have to have this reaction around drugs and alcohol to make myself okay. I can actually regulate myself within my own body through meditation, awareness, breathing, doing things, right? Do what's before you to do, right? Even something as basic as, I'm going to do the dishes. 
I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to sit down and meditate. I'm going to, I'm going to watch a movie, right? Because I have the ability to calm myself down. I don't have to reach for a substance to make myself okay and that I'm safe, right? Because the idea when you're going through a traumatic reaction, right, is that I don't feel safe and I don't trust myself to keep myself safe. I don't trust that my environment's safe. And so we have to kind of come to a place where we can trust that and understand that and it's going to start with my own body, my own sense of self. Fascinating. Yeah, you're, you're decoupling the... The action to the reaction. Exactly. You're right? just shifting it. Yes. To a new reaction. Yes. And that's finding some inner balance and peace, even if there's a disturbance. Yeah. And and one of mm. the one of the things that if you like even if you just Google acceptance commitment therapy, one of the and on YouTube there's a couple of videos and one of them is there's a couple of cartoons and one of them is just these animated characters and it's a, they're all in a bus, right? And all of the animated characters in the back of the bus are your emotions, right? And you're driving the bus is the hope, right? But if, if anger gets up there and is driving the bus, what does that bus ride turn into, right? Mm. Or if anxiety is driving the bus, right? But if, if I'm driving the bus and I have the ability to drive the bus and understand that my emotions are passengers on my bus and that I have the ability to drive the bus as myself, that I don't have to go off the rails with my emotions driving my bus for the day. And, and there's different things that we can do to help you figure out how to do that so that you're not driving with anger, anxiety, frustration. It's tough because mm-hmm. it's, often you don't feel like you have that control. It, the anger is an ex- explosive, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. an expl- it's a subconscious explosive reaction. Right. So how do you help, how do you help people with willpower? Uh, and and to to not listen to the to the little guy in the head that says just drink it, <laughs> <You> <laughs> just know, drink it, just drink it, just drink it, right? Well, and that that's you know there there's a lot of different things that we do. Kathleen mentioned that we um, are twelve step based, right? And so that's the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous or mm-hmm. other twelve um, step programs. And you know and and so there is a there is a component in in faith, right, and understanding that possibly we're not the end-all, be-all, right, and, and that if we can reach out to whether it's, you know, a faith about, you know, that, that I don't have to do this all by myself, mm. um, or people, right, um, having connection with other people, that if I pick up the phone or I reach out to a friend or a family member or somebody that's, you know, part of my support team, that they can help with that reaction, right, um, but also, again, figuring out what's going on in my own body and what do I need to do for myself, right? Because we have the ability to stop and go, okay, I can distract myself, right? I have the ability to distract myself. I have the ability to um, decatastrophize what's going on with me. I can stop. I can breathe. I can have a, take a moment. And I can look at the situation I'm in and understand that I don't have to have that reaction, Right? And, and again, people that aren't addicts have a hard time with this, right? And so it takes practice, and it's something that if we can start to point out, here's, here are the, some things that you have the ability to do as a sober, strong woman, and if we can start practicing them a little bit at a time, right, and put them into practice, if you, if you make it through a day and maybe you used one of these skills... Yeah that that's a success, right? Um, but, but it really is about understanding 
what I can do within myself, but then when I can't necessarily help myself and that that's not enough, I've got to reach out, right? Because that connection to other people is huge. And I talked a little bit earlier about isolation, right? And if I'm, if I'm in my addiction and I'm isolated, right, I'm, I'm alone. And we can't do recovery alone. It, it just doesn't work. We need connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Friends, family, people that are, are also in the 12-step program. It's one of the reasons that, that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and other recovery programs or even, you know, um, just social groups, right, healthy social groups can make such a difference because if I have a connection with another human being, I know I'm not alone, and that can make a difference in whether I'm going to use substances or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also accountability, right? If you both oh, commit yeah. to not drinking or, or not mm-hmm. whatever you partake in, um, then then knowing that you've made that commitment to someone probably is really helpful. Absolutely. Right. right? And, and that's one of those things about, um, about our program and... Um, programs like it and Alcoholics Anonymous or even, you know, just having that support group is if I, if I'm showing up, people are depending on me to show up, right? I'm helping other people Mm -hmm. by showing up. They're helping me, but it's helping me, you know, um, it's helping them just as much as it's helping me. And that's one of the things that we try to, uh, to really get across to, to the women that we work with is, you know, you're showing up for someone else and you're helping them as well, because that's going to tap into that self-worth, yeah. I think also you should mention the other somatic um, somatic modalities that we use and maybe talk a little bit about EMDR because that's another modality that we use for... Um, yeah, please. Yeah, the, um, so, you know, one of the things that we offer in our intensive outpatient um, and with the clients in the house uh, that's a little different than other um, outpatient programs is that, you know, it's, it, so the, the model is, is that you come into group for three hours, three days a week. And so, you know, instead of coming in and listening to me um, jaw on for three hours, we have um, some people in the community that we work with that come in and, and work with our clients. And one of them is um, a body worker in town, Ann Wolf, and she is, um, she is certified in trauma release exercises. And it's a somatic experience that basically um, helps you release some of the stuff that's going on in your body, right? Because we all carry trauma in our bodies. So we can talk about our trauma all day long, but that doesn't mean that we're actually releasing it if we're not looking at the at where and how it's stored in our bodies. Yeah. And you see this in, in, in vets that have, have come back from war that, you know, when they used to call it shell shock, right? I mean, there was a reason that they called it that because one of the one of the physical characteristics that you would see is there would be, um, you know, this shaking in their body, right? And it might be, you know, that there's a movement that they have, a tick that they have. And, you know, you've, and when you get behind the story and you understand what they went through, it's, oh, they're moving their body away from a blast, right? And so they've got this tick where, wow. you know, they're, they're moving their body like this. Well, mm-hmm. our bodies definitely take on whatever the mind is experienced as well, right? And so um, she'll come in and she does a workout with the girls, a mild workout, but it, it basically fatigues the, the body a little bit. And then she has them lay out in different positions and you and as they're laying there in a relaxed position, you'll see the different parts of the body start to kind of shake, right? And it's a release of the, of the trauma. And it's kind of like if you 
if you have a dog at home that's afraid of thunder, right, or, or lightning, and, um, and they kind of shake, right? Because what happens is the nervous system is, is, is coming online and it's, it's taking care of itself and it's letting go of that, right? I'm going to let go of that trauma that's built up in my body. And it's that same idea okay. that um, the trauma release exercises help you release what you're carrying around in your body, right? Interesting. Um, yoga is another uh, avenue that we use in our um, IOP because it, it also helps, right? Get in tune with the body, release, um, understand some breath work, right? All of that is really important to not, not just getting to know our bodies, but also understanding where are things kind of pent up or trapped and how do we release that? Mm -hmm. um, and then we do use EMDR in our, in our um, practice. And th this is another modality that's used in individual therapy, right? And the idea there is that our brains, being the powerful, um, uh, and this is just a 101, right? Yeah. Um, it, being as powerful as they are, they tend to hold on to memories. Our, our brain holds on to memories. And it can get into a loop, right, in our brain. And I always have to think about this because I... I'm, I uh, um, get my own left and rights mixed up, right? But if if the if the left if the right side of my brain, right, is the um, creative side of my the left side of my brain is my creative side of my brain. My right side of my brain is gonna be the part of my brain that is is very analytical, in, analytical right? So if I have a memory about something that happened to me in my childhood, right? And it's and it's trapped in in my right side of my brain, and it's very analytical, and it's just going over and over and over, right? Rehashing. It's just rehashing it, right? The idea is that we need to get that memory to move into the other side of the brain because the creative side of the brain can actually process it and let it go, right? Interesting. And so we need a bilateral movement, and that bilateral movement can actually help it move from being in a loop to being moved over processed and actually let go of hmm. right yeah and so if we get that bilateral stimulation going while somebody's actually processing a memory the hope is that it it can take some of the energy out of it but it can also move it into different parts of the brain so that the brain can can help us heal and it, and it can be really powerful fascinating yeah <laughs> uh, we only have a couple minutes left yeah but what are some of the tools uh, to help people with withdrawals well, we have, do you want to talk about that, or do you want me to? No, you can go ahead. Just keep, yeah, keep talking. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so the, the women that come into our house, we have a policy that they have to go get detoxed for at least three days. Good. Um, that first three days of, um, of withdrawal are critical, because when you come to about that 24 to 36 hour mark, right, there's um, there there's the problem of um, seizures, right? And and withdrawal from alcohol can kill you. Um, an opiate withdrawal is not going to kill you. It's going to be really uncomfortable, really painful, really horrible, but it won't kill you. Alcohol withdrawal will kill you. And so if they're coming into the house, they have to be detoxed for at least three days um, so that they're out of that critical period. But we do tend to see. Um, acute alcohol withdrawal, and obviously three days you're not completely, you know, done with having that all of that move out of your system, right? No. And so yeah. we're really focused on good nutrition, good, um, making sure that good food is going in, uh, exercise, 
good sleep. Good. Um, and lots of lots of support because um, you have to understand that um, when you're going through detox, your brain it takes your brain a while to come back online, right? We've done a lot of damage to our brain, and so you know you you go through a point where it's like, well, I can't recall short-term memory, right? I, I don't remember certain things or words aren't coming to me. Um, we've had people come in from older women come in out of. Um, a 30-day program, and they've actually said to us, well, we think she could actually be in early stages of dementia. Well, right. you know. It's really post-acute withdrawal, which can right. last up to a year. Wow. Yeah, because we've done so much damage to our brain. So wow. we really try to take a mind-spirit-body approach to that. Nice. Yeah. We are completely out of time. I'm okay. so sorry, ladies. Yeah. No, thank thanks. you so much for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having show. us. Yeah. yeah, this is such an important topic that so many people suffer with, so I appreciate it. It's nice to know that there's so much guidance out there and help. And cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, you guys, check out aspentalkshealth.com for more information on how to reach these two lovely ladies. And thank you very much for tuning in. Ciao.